Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland here today with Philip Sype and Chad. Uh, Chad, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Chad Spangler, uh, better known as PolyAmFam on both Instagram uh, and TikTok. Uh, I make content to normalize polyamory, uh, build polyamory community, stuff like that, and people seem to really like it. So. <laughs> Cool. So today we're going to be talking about sort of toxic jealousy that comes up in a lot of toxic masculinity, toxic masculine concepts and things that exist. Um, yeah. Uh, as usual, Philip, would you like to dive more into the, because I do a terrible job of explaining things. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. So I think that, you know, kind of a masculine trope or stereotype is that like you know men want to have like all these women and like you know maybe several at once and all that stuff and like there's this there's a lot of I think a lot of this is informed by pornography we talked a little bit about that in a previous episode um but um from uh I'm personally in a monogamous relationship um but um, from what I have gleaned from the little bit that I've talked to from people that I know that are uh, polyamorous, that uh, that is not at all representative of what it's really like to be in a uh, relationship that is polyamorous. And in fact, they can take lots of different forms that require us to separate out some concepts that monogamy uh, has sort of consolidated into a single monolith. Um, so, and I think that there's some, uh, there's also some just like degree of like masculine identity and stereotype built into that. So I, I think thought it would be useful to talk about that and have a conversation about like, um, both just polyamory in general as a sort of educational thing and, um, also sort of exploring a little bit like how this relates to masculine identity and, and how to build a more positive masculinity uh, when it comes to uh, monogamy versus polyamory. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Chad, would you like to uh, chime in on some uh, of, of your kind of perspective with this? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so from a polyamorous perspective, um, the community often talks a lot about uh, toxic monogamy, which to clarify, almost no polyamorous person is anti-monogamy. When we talk about toxic monogamy, we're talking about the things that we believe monogamy perpetuates, uh, the, you know, the, the negative things that sometimes hyper monogamy can perpetuate. And it is astonishing how many of those things stem directly from toxic masculinity. Um, you know, the jealousy factors, the everything, I mean, the jealousy is the big one. And um, I just, I just did a poll uh, on my Instagram page earlier today, because um, I was curious. And uh, I asked, have you always been polyamorous? Or uh, did you transition from monogamy to polyamory? And with just over 2000 votes, 86% of people were monogamous and transitioned into polyamory. So a lot of the content that the community discusses has to do with that transition and kind of unlearning things that, you know, monogamy, and again, only toxic monogamy has taught us our entire lives and learning how to deal with those things in a very direct manner, because for better or for worse, um, monogamy does uh, 
uh, when you're in a monogamous relationship, sometimes you're, uh, you know, very protected from certain things because you just don't have to deal with them. You know, you don't, you don't have to deal with a very direct jealousy of your partner going on a date with someone else because you're in a monogamous relationship, right? But a lot of that is stripped away when you start practicing polyamory and all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I'm far more problematic than I thought I was as a person. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, toxic masculinity uh, contributes a whole lot to issues within polyamory. Um, and I have recently started posting more stuff on my polyamory pages, not even about polyamory, but just about toxic masculinity. And it's amazing the reception it's gotten because people realize like, yes, this is, this is what I need to actually help me through the things I'm going through. So. Yeah. I mean, like I, I am also in a monogamous relationship. Um, and, and I've it, it, at times in our relation, like, cause I, uh, I, I have always had, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I've always had a lot of friends who are female and there are certain people in the type of community that I grew up in who have a hard time recognizing or accepting cross, uh, gender friendships and, just just getting them to accept that has often been a struggle. I mean, like my the best woman at my wedding uh, was a, a woman. Like my best man was a woman, and that was something that I had people in my family and at my wedding who just couldn't comprehend it. They just didn't get it. They're like, "Oh, so are you in like an open?" I think I most people did not have the guts to say this uh, to me. Uh, I did have one person kind of hint to like, oh, are you in an open relationship? Like, no, it's a friend of mine. We've been friends for years. And uh, so, yeah, I can only imagine that just dealing with, you know, you know, and and, and, and that's kind of the like, you know, the steps of de like all the same issues that lead to people having a problem with that are the things that lead to people having a problem uh, accepting the that other people are polyamorous. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's like part of a spectrum of, 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 of unacceptance. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how, and that's one of the, you know, biggest things the community talks about with toxic monogamy with toxic uh, um, masculinity is like relationships in like a more traditional, at least in America, and I would say most places in the world, in a more traditional mindset, relationships, uh, romantic relationships specifically, are framed as so hyper-competitive <laughs> that even when you're in one, in a monogamous one, people are always like kind of just like, what's, what's going on here? What's going on? Like it's just it's been framed in such a hyper competitive uh uh way that it you know you have to you have to get the girl and this happens on you know the the women's side of it too we kind of see the other side of the coin with that too every rom-com uh plot ever yeah yeah <laughs> exactly which guy men, will she choose yeah like. but with men it's almost like and i i was listening to one of your episodes earlier it's you know it gives you those weird like predator and prey vibes sometimes like people go so extreme with it just like you know the girl is the prize and it's just like uh, like, and if you, if you have a prize, you should not even want to be around anyone else's prize. And like, it just, yeah, it gets, 
it gets ridiculously over hyper competitive real fast. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it brings up like, I, I, I would argue that it's hard to, it's hard to treat a gender of people equitably if you find it impossible to have any form of relationship with them at all. And I mean, and this was like my problem when like, I, I, it bugged me that like people like to make a kind of social quip out of Mike Pence being like unwilling to be in a room alone with a woman. And it was like, oh, ha ha ha, that's so funny. I'm like, no, this is a problem and something we need to process and talk about in our society because if mike pence is unwilling and un like unwilling to be alone in a room with a woman that means that no woman in his like in in, in his administration or you know with within his professional reach can advance because it, it, that's you know in any profession you need a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time with your boss uh that is safe responsible and respectful and if you're unwilling to provide that 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 that, that is an unequitable system and 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 that i think falls through with you know, i mean all of this kind of stuff is interlaced together of it's it, it it's fundamentally unequal yeah absolutely it's it you know it 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 provides barriers like very like you said real world barriers for you know different genders to you know, interact with one another and have like social mobility and stuff like that. I totally agree. So what would like, what would you say is kind of like, like just to set a baseline for, for people that aren't familiar with, uh, you know, what like a res responsible or mature polyamory looks like, or like, you know, what kinds of things they might encounter if they start trying to look at this from, you know, a, you know, open-minded, but, you know, realistic adult perspective, like what, what kind of things are sort of the initial misconceptions that you kind of have to get past to try to understand, or, you know, like what's kind of the first few lessons just to get, get people who aren't familiar with the topic kind of on the page about like what this is, what it looks like, you know, what, what kind of arrangements exist, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so I think the biggest misconception right off the bat is that polyamory kind of just gets conflated with swinging, which I mean, they're in the same family, they're adjacent, there's overlap. I mean, the confusion is honestly pretty warranted, especially from someone who has not been in any of those communities. Um, and so people assume it's about just about swinging and only about sexual relationships. Um, how I define polyamory and people will define polyamory differently is maintaining multiple intimate relationships with the knowing consent of everyone involved. Some people will specify uh, romantic. I don't necessarily do that, which kind of muddies the water even further because I do believe that aromantic people can be polyamorous if they said like it, it can, I, I, to me, it's much more about maintaining the relationships than whether it's sexual or romantic in nature. And it varies for different people. And it varies with the same person. You know, I've had relationships that are, you know, more sexual than romantic within polyamory. I've had the exact opposite, you know? Um, but I think the biggest, the big, biggest misconception is it's a lot more about maintaining these relationships with people that are more than just friendships, more intimate relationships than it is purely about sexual gratification. Um, 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's far and away the biggest one that like, you know, I I can't tell you how many memes I have made of like that exact thing just relating and they all do very well because people relate to them so much. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think uh, there's, there's different types of polyamory too. Uh, some people do practice what they call don't ask, don't tell where even though, you know, they're consensually, you know, they are, they know, they are aware that there are other relationships. They don't want to know the person. They don't necessarily want to know the details, anything like that. I think that's perfectly valid. Not for me, but if, if everyone's aware of what's going on and consents, have at it, do your thing. Um, I am more of what's called kitchen table polyamory in that I like to meet the people that my partners are dating. Um, I like, the people I'm dating to meet my other partners. It turns out that if you're, you know, dating one person and then dating another person, uh, they probably have a lot in common <laughs> and we'll get along. Um, so, but that I, but you know, you have to respect, you know, your partners, other partners as well. Maybe that's not what they want. A lot of communication going on. That's, that's really the biggest thing. The biggest tenant I personally think in polyamory is literally just communication, figuring out what everyone's okay with, figuring out what everybody's comfort levels are. Uh, There's definitely more communication than sex from from what I've experienced. Honestly, I think even in a monogamous relationship, uh, oftentimes more more communication than sex is is probably a warranted balance regardless. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) um, So one thing I, I kind of have come to understand is that, uh, and, you know, I don't know, it, it's been a while since I've discussed this with the people that I know that are, that practice polyamory, but my understanding is that um, there's also a sort of disconnect between some things that seem otherwise interconnected, which is that like, you know, um, you may have like, for example, people that are, um, you know, all in relationships but may not like, like basically the, you, you end up like with monogamy, sorry, it's hard to draw this out um, no problem. in just explanation, but like in monogamy, you have like two points, right? One, two people. And there's a line between them, their relationship, right? And like, that's the whole package, right? And that line kind of contains everything in that relationship, uh, you know, uh, family, hanging out, sex, etc. Um my understanding is that like with polyamory, you know, you, you get more than two dots and those lines, like what may look like one line between two points, like now is actually made up of several parts. And sometimes those parts are interchanged differently among people. So you may have someone who ha- who is dating two people and has sex with each of them individually, but not with both of them at the same time, or they may, uh, if everyone is, is into that or, they may have uh, a family with one, but the other one's only about like sex or they may have a family with both or, you know, like that all of these things can have elements of what you might assume is just like in, in, in someone who has only ever been exposed to monogamy may kind of assume it's just like comes with every relationship. Um, so maybe, maybe can you talk about a little bit about that and like what kind of things, arrangements and stuff that that looks like? For sure. Um, so I've literally drawn this out for myself at one point in time. Um, and the community kind of knows, 
both the diagrams and just the practice as being in a polycule. It's kind of the term that everybody uses. Um, and I would say that rarely are two lines from one person to another the same. Um, when I like, you know, I was drawing out like I was like, oh, because somebody asked and I was just like, oh, OK, well, I have, you know, this partner, this partner, this partner, like every line was a different thing pretty much I had to like I believe I even like kind of color coded it because I was just like well this person's like more of a friends with benefits like we just hang out and like if sexual stuff happens then you know fine but doesn't have to we're just you know friends with benefits uh this person's more of like traditional girlfriend boyfriend type stuff like you know this is what's involved with them this person I just see once a month once every two weeks and this person is like um my nesting partner, the person I live with. Um, so that's something that polyamory uh, has given me that's been very advantageous is sometimes there are wants and needs that you have that your partner, uh, you know, isn't willing to provide, you know, validly in a lot of cases. It could be as something as benign as just an interest that you have, like a non-sexual, non-romantic interest that you have that you want to enjoy with someone else. Um, you know, and obviously this overlaps with friends too. Like it doesn't have to be, um, there's a, the term that comes to mind, which I, I know people have written about this term a lot and I have not read a lot on it. So don't, don't, uh, don't crucify me if I get some of this wrong, but relationship anarchy, um, that's a term that a lot of non-monogamous people use just to describe like, yeah, and almost none of my relationships look the same. I just let them be what they are. Um, so yeah, it's, it's chaotic in what I would call the best possible way, because you don't, you know, the longer you do this and the longer you practice it, the more you realize you don't necessarily have to keep things in that rigid structure. Um, again, as long as everyone consents, right. Um, and, and you can just do what you want to do with people, whether that be friendship, sexual, romantic, any, any of the above. So yeah, it's, that's, your description was very accurate. Like needs met by different partners can dress, can vary drastically and often, often do. And like, uh, like as I was hearing you describe it, it kind of sat, early on to, on to you describing a lot of this, it sounded to me like, uh, like, oh, that's a healthy anarchist community of people yeah. who are agreeing to work together and uh, do operate consensually within one another without a necessarily authoritative structure. <laughs> yeah, and I think like the um, the easy analogy here to for for people who may be struggling to fully wrap their head around this sort of um, way of thinking is, you know, um, if you've ever been in a monogamous relationship for an extended time and also maintained a, you know, uh, healthy group of friends, you have struggled with the sort of um, the tension, um, you know, of the, the jealousy or whatever you want to call it of, of a partner who is, uh, you know, I mean, it, this example is is such a trope that it appears in media all the time. It's like, oh, you're spending all your time with your friends. You're not spending any time with me, like that kind of thing. Like we already have in a monogamous relationship, a sense of, uh, I, I guess, like uh, if, assuming I'm understanding your definition correctly, uh, a sort of 
soft polycule already in the sense of like you're have your one romantic partner and a bunch of friends and like you're already having to manage a degree of like at least time management uh but you know and so it, it's really i think a at least my impression is this is a natural extension of sort of that taking that concept and going just a little bit further with it of like okay, well you've already got a group of friends you've got um your partner uh you know from a monogamous perspective and this is just sort of taking that and saying like okay well now uh extend that out a little bit maybe you have one more per one of your friends you also um have a romantic relationship with in some sense you know, I, to, to me, it, it seems like taking it, 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 I think to a lot of people, it can seem like this really far afield, like, uh, idea, um, that is just like a completely different world when really, I think that, uh, pe most grownups in monogamous relationships are already kind of used to a lot of the concepts here. It's just adding some slightly more emotionally charged things to the mix that people are may already struggle to communicate sufficiently with one person um that that's kind of like the impression that i'm getting from this yeah absolutely i think you know most people are essentially like you said kind of in like a soft polycule in that there are very few people in the world who literally just have one relationship with one person and nobody else like <laughs> if you if you even if you have no like you know what you would call friends like if you have a job if you play games online with people like you have relationships you know monogamy is essentially polyamory just with the additional restriction of hey i'm only sexual and romantic with this one person yeah and i mean that that to to me i think that that right there is an important thing to kind of help folks understand and 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 respect and 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 uh, you know, I understand all of this, and and I think that's something important when we, whenever we encounter something that to us is new and to us is something like new within our world of wow, the world is constantly changing, is to recognize that nine times out of ten, it, it's not changing as much as you think it is, and these are things that exist within our communities and our society, and it like it's based it's it's based around people consensually. Uh, uh, having consensual uh, experiences and relationships with people, and that is good. I, I don't know. I don't know entirely where I'm going with that, but no. But yeah, I I think it's something that's far easier to conceptualize than people believe uh, it is, because you know, like Philip said, it's people just think it's an outlandish thing, and I'm like, you. I mean, you know what I do most of the time with one of my partners. Uh, send jokes and memes, uh, watch Ted Lasso, and eat food. Uh, <laughs> like, there just happens to also be a romantic sexual element there, but, you know, that that's just a, a, another part of our relationship, not the whole thing. Yeah, and I think this gets into a little bit of um, a, a flaw in, in the way that we frame relationships in general uh, that, that really, to me, extends from a very, like... Um, almost fundamentalist Christian sort of um, perspective of, um, you know, like I think people that imagine it as being really far out there, like it requires you to frame relationships, like romantic relationships as being entirely about sex. Like uh, as if like, 
like whoever you are involved romantically with like sex is the only thing that actually matters there when like people that actually are treat relationships like that are awful to be with like most most satisfying relationships uh romantic or otherwise to be frank are only good when you get along and are friends most of the time like if you if your relationship requires you to be having sex all the time to be happy that is not a relationship that's going to last very long to be perfectly honest like yeah <laughs> you can't stand each other <laughs> right yeah, yeah. And, and and I think you just with that phrase right there you just hit on like what a lot of this kind of comes from for me is that a lot of the older folks who were sort of tasked with uh, setting the example of what relationships were supposed to be within my community growing up were people who they fucking hated each other <laughs> they did they 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 despised each other and despised their living arrangement and I think that is a problem and that's something that. Uh, you know, we have to address among ourselves and within our own communities. And I think, um, and going to Philip, what you were talking about, this is something I still run into with my single male friends of uh, this an inability to find to, to, to like male friends who want to get married, who want to find uh, the, the the relationship that they think that they're looking for. But at the same time, they view it only through a lens of sexuality and not through a complete, total relationship that you should be having with a human being that is more than just sexual. And I think both of those things are tied together. I think that's kind of what happens when you go out into the world looking for a relationship to have with somebody that is purely and only about sexuality and you don't consider anything else and you don't consider your ability to exist with a person outside of having sex with them or respecting them outside your allowance to have sex with them, it creates a long-lasting relationship of two people who despise each other and don't want to live with each other, but because it's an authoritative, one-way relationship without real consent, you don't have the ability to split up. Uh, and, and I don't know. To me, that all kind of stacks together. Yeah, absolutely. So when... You know, I think I think there's a element of masculinity in which like people have fetishized um, multiple partners at, uh, at a time uh, when it comes to sex. Um, there is, um, I mean, I think it doesn't take very long uh, looking at any popular pornography site to see uh, countless examples of. Um, you know, threesomes and stuff like that. Um, do you find like that, that like is how, how well, first I, I have like an open question, which is like, first, is that actually very common even in uh, um, uh, polyamorous spaces or is it more like just maintaining just one-on-one -on -one relationships with a wide variety of people or are there people that, you know, sort of regularly have multiple partners at once? Are there like and then second like you know i have to imagine just in my experience with a monogamous relationship the amount of communication needs to happen to have a healthy and respectful boundaries uh in like a sexual relationship with one individual i have to imagine involves like like i mean talking about the whole communication more than sex balance it's got to go through the roof if you're going to engage with more than one person at a time 
Um, I don't know if you have experience with that or if you know about that, like can, um, what, what can you say to, to that sort of element of it? Um, I can definitely speak to the fetishization. I always struggle with that word fetishization of, uh, of, you know, polyamory because that absolutely happens. A lot of, a lot of it, it happens less within the community. And again, like you can go to different like polyamorous communities and communities that kind of polyamorous, but more swinging and get vastly different results. Right. I, my experience with the polyamorous community, both the one I have built on my pages and the one I've experienced on other people's pages has been, you know, not a whole lot like that. It's, it's been more of like, you know, examining the relationships and like helping each other get through it and celebrating the good, the good things that we experience. But my experience so far with the swinger community has been quite the opposite. (laughs) Like it is, it is so much fetishization of, you know, one man, multiple women, and, you know, in any, any context where there's multiple women or whatever, but no gay stuff, like, then very few people have actually said something to that extent, but it's, mm, it's, it's, it's there. And you can see it very easily if you're looking for it. Like you can, you can just looking at some of the posts, cause I'm in those communities because on paper, I am also a swinger, right? I, I don't like the community <laughs> at all, but uh, you know, definitionally, I am in that overlap. You know, I I would be a swinger and would be polyamorous. Um, outside of the community, um, we have so there's been lately. There's been a lot more um, exposure to polyamory in more mainstream media. Uh, more shows have been kind of displaying those types of relationships, uh, but the community is getting a little tired of seeing. Uh, one man and two women <laughs> represented. And every single time we've, we've made jokes, we've made memes about it. And it's just like, oh yeah, there's polyamory representation. And it's like, oh, is it another, is it another man, woman, woman triad? Oh, okay. Okay, great. Yeah. I've seen that a billion times. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, and I think masculinity, it's, you know, a lot of that representation ultimately, and unfortunately is still steered toward the straight male gaze. You know, like it's, it's, it's not necessarily made uh, for polyamorous people. It's made like, and I don't, I don't want to like, you know, diss any creator's intentions, you know, maybe the person legitimately tried to write this, you know, uh, triad, thruple, whatever term you want to use as a legitimate polyamory representation and just doesn't realize that that's the, it's the only one we get a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, representation in media um, is super influenced by masculinity and what what men want to see and what, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of within the community just depends on where you go. Honestly, you can find uh, some amazing spaces where it's it's not so fetishized, like we'll talk very sex positive spaces where we'll talk about sex and sometimes talk fairly graphically about sex, you know, but it's always, it's not like we are sexting each other. (laughs) We're, you know, discussing it. Um, But then you'll find other communities, like I said, more on like the swinger side of things where, yeah, that's, it's almost literally the entire point of the community is to just turn it in into kind of a fetish thing. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I would say within polyamorous specific spaces, it's not as much of an issue, um, which I mean, speaking as someone who has tried to help like make those spaces, I, I hope I have 
put that out into the world <laughs> to not just, you know, make it one big fetishization. Sure. Yeah. And I, I can't help but think that like, uh, there's a degree of, yeah, I think, I think a lot of the attitudes that people bring to the table when they first start thinking of this are unfortunately like many of the attitudes people have about sex in general. Uh, well, I should say men have about sex in general, uh, when it comes to this topic, which is they are deeply informed by what they see in particular, what they find they enjoy in pornography. Um, I think that a lot of, a lot of people may try to get into a space like this, thinking that they are going to fulfill some great fantasy and going to have like, uh, you know, you know, be able to experience what they, what they see on a screen and uh, come to find that uh, much like uh, real monogamous sex looks nothing like uh, pornography, that uh, real polyamorous sex looks nothing like pornography. Um, uh, just yet another reinforcement that uh, porn is not a way to learn about what sex looks like or relationships, especially not relationships. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's I, I don't I don't personally see a ton of men going into it with that mindset, but you're right that like it exists. Like it is it is people definitely do that. Um something that I have found very interesting is that you know you would think um being especially like in the in the context of like a, a straight polyamorous man, let's say, you would think that other men would look at that person and be like, oh, that guy's the man, like he's getting multiple women, whatever, which does happen. But I've noticed that overwhelmingly it shifts more towards he lets his woman do that, right? Like they immediately, instead of like, you know, you know, they, they, they either will fetishize you, right? Or go straight into calling you like a beta cuck who can't control his woman or something like that. Right. Like it's, 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 it's one of those two things. And personally, I find from what I've seen that it's, it's most often the latter because as much as people, you know, fetishize like sex with multiple women at one time, as straight men fetishize sex with multiple women at one time, they're almost more protective of what they could, what they perceive that they could quote unquote lose you know, than, than what they could gain. Like, you know, cause in their mind, if you're not in a monogamous relationship, if you have not agreed to be in a monogamous relationship, your relationship is, it's so vulnerable. Like it, you could lose them at any time, which, you know, in reality, if you take a step back, that's exactly the same with monogamy. You can also lose your partner at any given time, depending on what the two of you, if you go in different directions, if one of you does something terrible, like it's, that's really no different from monogamy, but people like to think of it that way, that if, you know, your partner is going and seeing other people, they don't want you anymore. Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people go the exact opposite way <laughs> and just, and just immediately, you know, start criticizing people because, you know, their hyper-masculinity has taught them that if your woman is going after someone else, then you're not a man, Right. Yeah, and this is something that I encounter a lot in, um, so the end of pornography that I prefer is l um, erotica written things, and, and so in story format stuff, 
which of course tends to go a little bit more in depth into the relationships that people are having. And you often tend and sorry, sorry if y'all are learning more about me than you wanted to here, but there's a point here, I swear. Um, there's often like this the, the, a viewpoint in it that is always like a man who is having relationships with multiple women. It's just always even when they don't try try to act like that's what's going on, that's what's going on. And anytime there is any written stuff where any of those women has any form of like literally speaks to another man, you will see people commenting or discussing those stories going off the rails about, oh, this this includes something I don't like and I don't want to, like, this this is outrageous, I can't handle this, and they're a beta cuck and they're this and that and this and that, and it's like, there is so much problem just stacked in all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. people... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say like this kind of gets into a little bit of like something that I was thinking about too, which is like the interesting double standard here, where uh, you have men who can go and have a bunch of women, and there's never a concern. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe there is from from you know um, some women about like that, but like it's almost treated as like obvious and natural that men would do such things, uh, and. Um, uh, you know, men see collecting women almost like up, uh, like like they're Pokemon. You know, like it just get as many as you can, uh, show show off your collection, get all 151, whatever. Like it's it's, uh, but like when it comes to the other direction, it's like immediately like if this is even happening, there's something fundamentally wrong with you that you can't satisfy her. You can't give her everything that she wants. And it almost brings in all this like a uh, breadwinner sort of, um, you know, man of the house bullshit that uh, I think a lot of, um, a lot of us were raised in. Uh, and I think it like, ends up triggering like a lot of like toxic jealousy type stuff. Um, I mean, at least it seems like that from from my perspective although i've been you know like i said i'm in a monogamous relationship but it's been a while since i've dated but i remember having feelings like that sometimes when it came to the dating scene as well yeah and i agree there's so much again within the community if you're in the right communities there's that double standard is largely being deconstructed um, which is amazing and I love it. But yeah, it, like in some communities and especially outside of those spaces, um, you're absolutely right. The double standard is so real and it kind of stems from the double standard that we've all heard even as monogamous people. I've, I was monogamous for most of my life. Um, and in just that, you know, if a man sleeps with multiple women, oh yeah, great. If a woman sleeps with multiple men, her value is somehow less you know, that, and people really take that to the extreme. And I, I think there's a reason that polygamy is more of a household word than polyamory, because I think history favors men, right? Like, and so everybody, almost everybody knows what the word polygamy means. Almost, you know, way fewer people know what polyamory is because it's essentially, you know, they're very similar, except polyamory has far more equity, <laughs> like far, you know, depending on how you practice it. But. I feel like there's, um, do you like, well, actually this is a good, good question. Like how, how, uh, do, do you feel like jealousy as a emotion is 
a problem that is something that is an ongoing effort that like you have to sort of uh, fight against or is it a um is it kind of like a someone new to the club sort of thing like you and you know when you're new to it you, you learn to sort of like get over it and like move past it and at some point you kind of like like have a sort of like whatever attitude about it or is it something that like is a sort of ongoing process uh i'd say a little bit uh, of the latter, but far more of the former. Uh, it's something you always have to manage um, and not necessarily fight against because sometimes jealousy is triggered for good reason. Sometimes you're, you know, worried about your partner that, you know, something unsafe is happening or that somebody doesn't have their best interest at heart or they're being shady or something like that. Jealousy is not always triggered by just, oh, this person, you know, currently has what I has and what I have and I don't like that. You know, some sometimes jealousy can be triggered by you know, at the very least decent reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I would say any polyamorous person would say that jealousy still happens from time to time. Some people say that they never experience jealousy, but I would say the vast majority of polyamorous people are like, yes, the jealousy just pops up and you kind of have to, it's, it's something we focus a lot on, um, of analyzing where it comes from and like kind of digesting it more. And I think that's something that polyamory has given me that has just made me not just a better, better at relationships, but just better in general is just that it's kind of forced me to kind of take jealousy and deconstruct it and figure out what's going on instead of just, you know, pushing it to the side, because frankly, I never had to deal with that level of jealousy before. So I mean, why, why, why tackle something so emotionally charged and so draining if you don't have to, you know, like I, of course you wouldn't, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's something that most people polyamorous or otherwise continue to struggle with and also just manage, not necessarily struggle with, but it does to that second point, get far better over time when you, when you go from monogamy to polyamory, there are some things I realize now that like little mundane things that I realized that would have just like made me go insane, like less than like a year and a half ago, like two years ago, like I would have just like freaked out over something. And now I'm just like, oh, that was no big deal to me. Like it's, it's fine. So yeah, definitely, definitely more of the former and just dealing with it as it comes. But you deal with it less and less over time because of how you manage it. Very cool. Um, is there, if there is something that you wanted people to know, like if you could sort of like wave a magic wand or whatever, and like pick something that you think would be the most valuable thing for someone to know about, you know, a positive uh, polyamory, like what do you think is sort of the most important thing for people to realize when it comes to approaching this topic? Um, I would say if you go into polyamory with the expectation, as, as a man specifically, with the expectation of, you know, getting all the women you want and then your woman partner, uh, very, you know, heteronormative a little bit, but, you know, it's a very common, uh, your woman partner having restrictions placed on her on what she can do you're probably not going in the right direction. Because <laughs> um, that's how I see it. There is, it is an infamous term in the polyamorous community, the one penis policy, where people, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're allowed as a woman to date other women, but you cannot date other men. 
and it's ridiculously common. And every time I mention it, people say, well, the one, one vagina policies exist too. Yes, the scales are not balanced, not, not even close. <laughs> like one penis policies are so, so much more common from my experience. Um, and I have said like on posts in TikToks and stuff like that, like I truly believe that you know, I, I always start with like, whatever you want to do consensually with your relationships, do it. But I truly believe that a one penis policy is inherently unethical, inherently transphobic, inherently homophobic. It, you know, you, why, why are you not taking these, you know, woman on woman relationships seriously? Like what, why is this not a threat to you? Right. Why is this, <laughs> like, why is, why is this man a threat and then it's not. And I actually kind of countered myself at one point because I was thinking about it because like early in my polyamorous journey, like I struggled a lot with that. I never went in, even when I was like brand new to practicing polyamory, I never, I, I basically said like, I would prefer you dating other women um, over men, but that's not a restriction. And I know that's not what I should feel <laughs> like. And then I worked towards an end of that. I'm like, I had to, I had to take it out of myself of like, why do I feel that way? Like, I do have that feeling like the thought of my wife dating another man does give me far more panic at the time than dating another woman. And I really had to like, just a lot, just like laser in on that and go, well, why? And then I did actually have one semi good answer in that men are terrible. And <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I just don't trust men. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's kind of valid, but like not, not good enough. Right. Like I should, I should trust my wife's taste in men. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's a level of under, like, this is always the tension that comes with like uh, approaching these kind of topics and that like, you have to simultaneously like recognize the reality of the situation, which is that like, you know, um, a lot of men have attitudes and stuff that are like dangerous um, and exist while also like balancing that with the idea that like, okay, but obviously like we're men and we think about that. <laughs> like, like, and we have, I'd like to think better attitudes than some men about it. And obviously everyone has their own issues to work out, but on an individual level, you know, there's some degree of like, okay, but um you know you have to work through the the thing of like not not wanting to not wanting to transform what is a like you know sort of a positive feminist critique of male behavior into a sort of destructive like all men suck sort of attitude uh and yeah. I, I can see like that almost being a microcosm of that broad struggle in general yeah oh it is <laughs> and, and i mean like everything we're talking about here right now i think very much hits on something that me and philip talk about quite a bit and that is this this idea of of that morality isn't really good bad morality isn't really the important thing to focus on that the path to getting there there is a path where you get there nobody just wakes up when they were born woke as fuck right out of the womb uh, we are all like, you know, we're all, uh, we, we are all products of a system and that system is really fucked up and it fucked all of us up along the way as we became adults and reprocessing all of that stuff, processing the world around us and relearning a bunch of things is all a part of 
that part of coming to adulthood and molding whatever we wish to define as masculinity and, and, and a whole bunch of other things uh, that are parts of our kind of foundational life elements. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Hard agree. <laughs> yeah, and I think you can you can see here of like, you know, um, uh, like having um, like it, it's a really good example of the way in which like um, toxic masculinity really hurts um, men because you can see it you can see its perniciousness in this example and by that I mean like uh, it seems like um, anyone who had considered doing this thing in a way that's not you know doing polyamory in a way that's not just like a complete like fetish indulgence type of thing it seems like they would be the kind of person who is like you know down on open-mindedness stuff but like um, you know as you expressed with that kind of your initial you know getting into it and having to have having that like sense of like oh i kind of prefer you to not date uh to to, to only date women type of thing you know you can see how it sticks in you and it it it, it doesn't jump out and say like look it's me it's toxic masculinity here to ruin your day again it's like it, it manifests in these kind of like subtle like hard to pin down like I don't, I don't feel a certain way. It takes a lot of introspection to sort of identify like what's going on here. Why do I feel this way? What, what is in my head? And like, uh, it's a re it, it really shows how, um, it, it really to me shows why, why the word toxic is the word to use because it is like a poison. Poison doesn't, you don't drink poison, you know, mo well, mo most poisons anyway, you don't drink them and they're like, poof, you're dead. It's like, they exist in you and you keep like lead poisoning, you know, like you keep taking it, you keep, keeps getting in you and you feel worse and worse. And just like, it just drags you down. And it's the same sort of way, you know, it's this force in your mind that like drags you down and makes stuff worse in a way that doesn't jump out at you as obvious. And it hides in what's normal and what's accepted and what's typical. And I think that there's a lot of, um, lessons to be learned. And even, even if, even if you never, um, uh, consider a polyamorous lifestyle for yourself, I think that there's a lot to be le learned in listening to the experiences of people who do have those things and what they have struggled with and learned to understand, to help understand what you might be able to learn about your own self and how you approach relationships and stuff in general to, try to find elements of that toxicity in your thought process and just like, you know, see it go, Oh, that's there. Uh, try to pull out as much as you can. And, and, you know, understanding that it's a process and you don't have to get it right the first time, you know, you didn't have to immediately go from like monogamous, uh, you know, dude with toxic masculine ideals to like perfectly pristine woke man who can whose wife has 16 boyfriends it's not like that you know it's a you just are honest with how you feel you are recognized that you don't have it all right and you're never going to and that's okay 
everyone, no one's perfect and everyone works toward a more ideal version of themselves and you just keep looking at ways to improve and trying to identify places in which you can, uh, you know, find elements of your life and your thought process that can uh, be made more beneficial to you. Yeah. And I, I would say that toxic masculinity, exactly as you described, is kind of a poison specifically within the polyamorous community. It's just even an even more insidious poison because a lot of the time there's almost three steps, right? Like you look at like jealousy. Jealousy is the most common thing. It's the most common thing I get questions about. It's the most commonly discussed like topic. How do we deal with jealousy? How do we deal with jealousy? How do we deal with jealousy? All the time. Um, and, you know, then people kind of pull back the veil and they're just like, oh, because toxic monogamy taught me this thing or that thing. And that's why I feel this way. But so, so often there's another veil behind that one that toxic masculinity specifically informed toxic monogamy <laughs> to make you feel that way. And then that's when you have to get kind of like when sh like almost when shit gets real is because you're like, oh, now I have to like analyze what I think being a man is like, it was easier when I was just like, oh, well, toxic monogamy, just, you know, I learned this thing from toxic monogamy and I just need to like unlearn that thing, whatever, like I can, I can deal with this, but then, you know, it gets really personal when <laughs> you realize that the root of that problem comes from something far more like ingrained in you, like in, in your identity, right? Like, cause you know, toxic monogamy isn't necessarily, you know, ingrained in someone's like identity. It's a thing they can do, they can practice or whatever. But masculinity is something that men feel is part of them. <laughs> so like it gets it gets way tricky to deal with when you kind of like pull back that second veil and you're like, oh man, I have to do some like real work here. <laughs> like not just not just like, oh, this societal thing is dumb. Like, oh, like this societal thing is part of me. And I have to like deconstruct it and figure it out. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very insidious. It's very much a poison. And I think that's, I think that's the reason why people have latched on so hard to my recent, you know, content that frankly has very little to do with polyamory and more to do with masculinity is because that is just a core of like so many issues, both monogamous and polyamorous people. I agree. Um, thank you for your insight this episode and, and, and sharing all of this with us. Um, before I move on to plugs, uh, Philip, do you have anything, uh, anything more to ask or to add? No, I think this has been a really interesting conversation. I hope I know I've learned a lot and I hope that uh, any listeners have learned a lot as well. Uh, Chad, would you like to let everyone know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my two main pages are polyamfam on both Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I'm also uh, on Facebook as polyamfam. I'm the polyamfam on Twitter, but I'm not super active over there anyway. But that's that's the only one where I'm not polyamfam because someone snatched it up for me. And of course, it's like an inactive account too. And I'm like, ah, so, <laughs> but yeah, you can find me as polyamfam pretty much anywhere. Like I said, I make, if you're even, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that like follow me or see me on TikTok are not even polyamorous people. They just like, you know, come across it. And it was, it was either funny to them or like, it was insightful to them. They're just like, oh, okay. So, you know, if, if that sounds like something that floats your boat, then yeah, 
Give me, give me a follow. And I know you made our amazing logo, and you also do other things of such nature. Where could people find those things? Good point. So <laughs> I, am, I am currently open to art commissions um, at The Good Chad. Uh, I just recently reclaimed my Facebook handle from myself because my personal page was The Good Chad. And I wanted to make my business. Page. So now I am The Good Chad on uh, both Facebook and on Instagram. Um, that, that one doesn't really have a TikTok. I have like one video and it's kind of dumb. <laughs> it's like, whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, if you legit, if you need any sort of like artwork done, you check out my Instagram page, you like my style, um, hit me up, send me an email. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you all out there for listening to us. Um, I look forward to processing this episode as I always do. I always feel like I, you know, like when I go into the editing booth is when I really start processing everything that I learned during the episode. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, everyone out there have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, night, or whatever time of day it is. Thank you.